Hi! Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk to Kelly Moore about Thursday's preseason game for the Winnipeg Jets in Montreal. And then Derek Taylor will stop on by to look ahead to the Bombers game against the Riders on Friday. That's all coming up on the podcast. We just got to get a little more detail than what we're doing out there and with and without the puck, uh, things like that. So uh, there's, we're just going to keep addressing areas every day. We haven't covered everything. We, we finally got to rush coverage today. There's things we haven't covered, and we haven't done six on five or five on six or four on four or three on three. We haven't spent a lot of time on our specialty team. So when I say we have a lot of work to do, it's more in regards to that. There's things we have to cover, and there's things that we're doing that we have to improve on. Winnipeg Jets coach Rick Bonus today in response to a question from our Kelly Moore about the work that needs to be done. And Kelly Moore joins us now, CGOB Sports Director and host of our Jets game day coverage. Kelly, from what you've seen so far, how much work does the, do the Jets need to do to get to where they want to be? Well, I, I think the coach uh, certainly outlined it there quite nicely, Christian. But, uh, you know, there's uh, I think there are things over and above that. I mean, just something as simple as deciding on a lineup and who's going to play with who uh, I think should also be added on that to-do list. But how I couched that question, Christian, was, you know, because we both heard it. You were sitting there with me on the con, or well, no, I guess you were down on the Matt Frost Media Center at the time. But uh, you know, the coach uh, said, you know, we he he, he was clearly uh, not happy with how his team had played despite beating Ottawa five to three last night. So I just wondered if, when he said, "We've got a lot of work to do," uh, if part of that was inspired by what he saw on the ice. Or, you know, if there's a long list of things that need to be uh, addressed. So that's, uh, as I couch the question of, you know, how long is the list and where, what are the items up near the top of that list? Because one thing we have to remember is that if you're happy after game two of a preseason, that's probably not a good thing because you're not seeing things clearly. Things shouldn't be good for the most part after game two of a preseason. And for a lot of the players we saw last night, it was game one. And there are habits that are going to be broken. The big comment was about shift lengths. And it is preseason. And so there might be a tendency to maybe not play as seriously. I don't know. That's just one thought. But I think the the Winnipeg Jets know that things are different under Rick Bonus. And we have to remember, anything that Rick Bonus tells us in the media, he's already said to the team. The players made that clear in their comments today. Yeah, I... I... I know there was some thought that, wow, you know, uh, bonus is, uh, you know, going after the players in the media. <laughs> this guy has been around, uh, you know, for a long, long time. So uh, experienced coaches like that don't make uh, those kind of choices or decisions. So, uh, you know, t- today when the players had said, hey, if you think honestly that we hadn't heard about this before, you know, and uh, it was talked about in between periods and it was probably talked, some things were talked about uh, even uh, in the days leading up to camp and maybe early in camp. So uh, there is not a coach, Christian, worth his salt that will share things publicly and allow his players to be ambushed by it. Uh, so uh, I think we can rest assured that anything we hear, uh, it will not come as uh, a great shock uh, to the players in the in the dressing room. But, you know, when you say 
that a coach shouldn't be happy after a second preseason game. I agree with that uh, assessment 100%. But uh, I also think that maybe uh, sometimes the concern meter goes up a little higher than you anticipated it would from what you saw. Uh, and, And let's face it, the first 40 minutes of that game... Uh, was like a tire fire. Yeah, it really was. I mean, there were mistakes made all over the ice. There were reads that were just simply uh, not done well enough uh, to defend properly against a very, very uh, inexperienced Ottawa Senators lineup. So, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that we tend to forget is, yeah, they're not the Ottawa Senators that are going to play in the National Hockey League, but they're still professional hockey players. So don't ever underestimate their abilities uh, by that. But having said that, uh, I think, uh, you know, that uh, the uh, uh, the level of concern might have been, I don't want to say amped up, uh, but might have been at a higher level than what the coaching staff was anticipating because of the lineup that they had dressed for that game. I think they were expecting something uh, a a little more precise than what it was. All right, so let's look ahead to tomorrow night now and the lineup that we're going to see in Montreal. uh, Very few veterans are making the trip to Montreal. Nate Schmidt uh, on the blue line is the only surefire NHLer that's on the back end. Tomorrow night, David Riddick and Arvin Holm going in net. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Sam Gagne, and Mason Appleton, Jansen Harkins, four forwards in the lineup that are likely to make the opening night roster. And then you've got uh, Saku Manalainen, David Gustafson. Uh, did I say Gustafson? Uh, Kevin Stenlin, Jeff Malott, Daniel Torgerson, Brad Lambert making his preseason debut, Evan Poli, yeah. his debut, Christian Reichel, Cole Meyer. And then on the back end, Handel, Sandberg, Stanley, Kovacevic, Capo, Bianco. Uh, just your your thoughts that when you saw the roster that the Jets shared out today. Well, my the, my first thought, Christian, was, you know, they're just not giving Saku Manalainen a chance to make this hockey club at all. Uh, you know, they're just, uh, you know, he's, would it be, would it be an overstatement to say that he's kind of a, a revelation of training camp? I don't think so. I think for, for so many of us, he just wasn't on our radar because it was a, a signing that happened in the summer yeah. that, you know, it, it, when things happen in the summer, sometimes things fall through the cracks. If you're on vacation, you might not see it. And then the fact that he's only played in the NHL for a few dozen games and they were five years ago. Right. So yeah. it's a player yeah. most of us are unfamiliar with. Yeah. So, I, and the reason I say that, and, and here's the reason that I base it on is if, you were going into training camp of the preseason and you were asked to pick one non-regular player who you thought would be the leaning candidate to play the first three games of the preseason. I don't think Saku Minalainen would have been the guy uh, that you would have chosen. So uh, the fact that he's going to get a chance to play for a third straight game, that caught my attention right away. Uh, and uh, if you don't uh, follow Twitter, uh, there was a, a a little bit of a humorous exchange uh, between myself and, and Nate Schmidt at the beginning of his availability, and uh, it was not one of my finer training camp moments of my career. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it, it was just kind of a slip up. I uh, it just had it in my mind, Christian, that he was playing in Montreal tomorrow night before this lineup was announced. So I I started by uh, you know saying, well, you know, you're finally going to get a chance to play in the preseason. <laughs> Nate handled it beautifully, you know, was just totally shocked. And how did you find out about the lineup and that sort of thing? So naturally the Jets uh, social media team took advantage of that as they should. Uh, But uh, yeah, so, you know, I I fully expected that Nate Schmidt and Sam Gagne at some point 
uh, would get their chance to play their first preseason game. So that was somewhat anticipated. I don't think we can be surprised by Daniel Torgerson getting a second look uh, after what he was able to accomplish against the Ottawa Senators, came within a goalpost uh, of scoring a hat trick. And the other thing that really caught my eyeballs, Christian, you mentioned the fact that Nate Schmidt is the only one of those top five veterans uh, that are going to be in the lineup. But isn't it kind of cool that the five guys, and and again, this doesn't come from the coaching staff, doesn't come from the general manager, it just comes from uh, a a guy who uh, clearly uh, shouldn't be asking questions about who's going to be playing in uh, preseason games, but... Uh, in my opinion, Billy Hainala, Dylan Sandberg, Logan Stanley, Jonathan Kovacevic, and Kyle Capobianco, those are the five guys that are competing for those two or three positions behind the experienced five. So I think it's kind of interesting that all five of those guys are going to be in the lineup in that game in Montreal tomorrow night. What we saw yesterday with Sandberg and Hainala is playing with veterans and Simon Lundmark with uh, Josh Morrissey as well. Yeah. That tomorrow they're going to be playing together. Well, we don't know the pairings are going to be, but somebody gets Nate Schmidt and the rest of them are all together. So it's going to be interesting to, to see these players who are, you know, competing against each other, needing to, to play together and, and be on the same page. That's one of the interesting dichotomies of training camp is these are your teammates. You're trying to win, but you're also trying to beat them out for a job. Yeah, but that's, you know, I mean, they've been doing that since they've been oh, old I enough know. to put on skates. So, you know, I, I get that, Christian, you know, because from our perspective, you know, if you and I were competing to be the host of the CJOV Sports Show, congratulations, you kicked my butt on that, by the way. Um, you know, we'd be, uh, would we be kind of kibitzing and being friendly and that sort of thing? It, it, it's hard to say in real life, but that's just part of uh uh, of professional sports, but it was kind of interesting earlier today, Christian, uh, Billy Hainola played on the right side last night, paired up with Brendan Dillon, who he's been with uh, through most of training camp. The morning skate today, he was working the left side. Did you play that clip of uh, uh, Rick Bonus where, you know, he was talking about, you know, if the coach says play the right side, yes, coach. If the coach says play the left wing, yeah, you got her. You know, just do whatever you need to do uh, to win. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, if Billy Hanola stays on the left side, who he plays with, and if he is as active tomorrow night in Montreal as he was in the game against Ottawa. You know, uh, his first rush didn't work out so well. It resulted in that three-on-one, and I'm not pinning that on him uh, because, uh, you know, the coach wants the defenseman to be involved in the rush, and so there's a responsibility on forwards uh, to come back and cover, and that thing kind of turned out uh, a mess, uh, you know, Part of it might be Billy having to read the tea leaves a little bit better, and part of it might be, you know, the forwards having to anticipate that he's the kind of guy that's going to go if there's a, an opportunity. Uh, and then, of course, he made the great rush on the power play. So I'll be interested to see if he is, you know, playing with that same type of attitude uh, tomorrow night. I would suggest and suspect that he would uh, because I think that's his ticket. Uh, to certainly uh, uh, be somewhere in the on the right side of the mix of those five defensemen. Before I let you go, Kelly, I have to ask you today, 50 years to the day, Paul Henderson oh. scored the famous Summit Series winning goal. Where were you on this date 50 years ago? It was kind of interesting because Rick Bonus and I are very close in age. So I was, uh, Rick Bonus got asked that. And he was playing junior hockey for the Quebec Ramparts and was in a, uh, a Quebec gym 
but they had the French broadcast, so he couldn't understand much of what was going on there. I was also in a school gym. Uh, I was uh, living in BC, so the game started at about, I think it was about 9.30 or 10 o'clock our time uh, out on the West Coast. And I just remember the euphoria. And it was the build-up to that too, Christian, because I can remember going to a soccer practice before game six when things weren't looking good at all for Team Canada. You know, and they wind up winning that game in Moscow. And then I can't remember where I was for game seven, but uh, game eight, our whole school uh, was in that gymnasium down in Mission, B.C. in the Fraser Valley. And uh, uh, it was, as you can well imagine, quite a scene when... uh, uh, Corway found Paul Anderson scores. I know that's a bad Foster Hewitt, but I mean, you've probably been working on it for fifty years, right? Well, uh, maybe fifty, maybe forty-nine. Is it possible to have a moment like that again? I don't think there is. No, I I don't think so, Christian, because it was a. T- I mean, and I don't want to sound like a complete old codger here. Go for but it. it. Was a it was a totally different world. You know, there was no internet. Uh, if memory serves me correct, we were watching this thing on a black and white TV that might have been a 12 or 13 inch TV. You know, it wasn't on a big 65 inch screen uh, in high def and all the rest of that. Uh, for me, because uh, from the probably from the time I was 12 or 13 years old, I knew exactly. Uh, what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a hockey play-by-play announcer. Uh, and and so for me, it was more listening uh, as opposed to watching. And quite frankly, I think from my vantage point, the gym, I wasn't able to see a whole heck of a lot on that little TV anyway. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was so, because that was our only conduit to the, inter- to the information. You know, nowadays, because you've got everything so immediate with the, uh, 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 Twitter and uh, TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and everything else that's go- going on out there. Uh, there's there's just so many different ways to garner the information, and it doesn't involve having to be all together, uh, you know, to, to to share in it. So I I don't know. Uh, so from from that aspect, that we'll ever have it again, and I just wonder. <laughs> Maybe the world will settle down in, in, in a few years from now, but I think with the way things are around the world right now, uh, I, I don't know that we could probably have a them versus us type scenario like there was for that. Like, you know, the, the, the thing about this, Christian, is the NHL was supposed to go in there and absolutely mop the floor with these uh, guys from Russia. And uh, <laughs> after that game uh, here in Winnipeg, it became quite apparent that those guys from Russia were pretty darn good. Absolutely. Kelly, appreciate your reminiscence here. We'll uh, catch you on the pregame show tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock. I promise no more Foster Hewitt impersonations. All right. That's Kelly Moore, CJOB, Sports Director, Jets Game Day coverage. Let's talk CFL now as we welcome in the voice of the Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor. Derek, what did you get accomplished on your bye week? Uh, I, I learned how to paint ceilings. Um the key is to not rage out when you slap white paint over things that do not intend to have white paint on them. It was uh, it was it was a long adventure. Well, I'm about to paint my condo before I sell it, and everything is already white, so I'm just touching it up. I don't think my project is going to be as daunting as your project, but anyway, the the bombers coming off a loss in Hamilton. I haven't talked to you since that game. 
How do you feel mm. about them right now at 12 and two coming out of that loss? Well, I, I just end up falling back on, there's still three wins ahead of any other team in the Canadian football league. Right. And they've already won the season series against the Stampeders with one more win in one of those two games against BC. They'll, they'll win the season series against the BC lions. So I, I feel like they can, I feel like they're the first place team in, in the West when the season's done they go straight to the West Final and will host it. Yeah, they got they got lit up pretty bad. Like the defense allowed 41 points in that game, plus seven more allowed by the offense. There were some problems within that, and I'm curious to see if teams will take something away from how they were able to limit the Bombers getting pressure. And, you know, picking on cornerbacks will be another thing that we'll end up discussing. But uh, I, I just ultimately kind of look back at, you know what? Every team is going to have a bad, bad game. Because the best team ever was 16 and two in a single season, so no one in this league has been anywhere near unbeaten. So, uh, yeah, they should they should lay one on Sask on Friday, and I don't feel like that's changed their course at all. Well, the Rough Riders come into this game just absolutely needing something to go their way. They come out of uh, a loss to the Elks. They go into a bye week. They are in a bad spot right now. They absolutely need this. That their saving grace is that. The crossover is still theirs by a, by two games. Hamilton is doing nothing to try to help their chances. They beat Winnipeg, then they immediately lose <laughs> to Montreal. Uh, Dan Clark, though, is back taking first-team reps at center this week. He's only played a couple games. Their offensive line's been a big issue. How much does his return help their chances this week? Oh, oh, I think I think that's enormous. They had Logan Bandy, a rookie at center. And you saw multiple times watching. Here's Almondo Seawall, the Alouettes. Just kind of pick him up and throw him into the stands because he was just getting outclassed by savvy and, and veteran defensive tackles. And, and that, that was a real problem for them. Within a, a group of five, that was a massive problem for the Riders. So they get Dan Clark back. That's a real nice pickup for them. They still are going to have to deal with the fact that, I mean, Cody Fajardo has been sacked 50-something times. I, I think it's exactly 50 on passing plays with a couple more credit than on what were run plays. Like pressure on the quarterback has been their biggest problem. So uh, having their, their linchpin, the guy who's been there for a bunch of years and kind of the guy who, who, you know, people point to the center as the guy that makes everything work and makes all the calls that that'll be a big help for them. But I think structurally and in some other spots, they need to fix it up because they, you can't lose to Edmonton. You just you know what I'm saying? You can't lose to the Edmonton Elks. And will Stanley Bryant play this week is a big question. We're waiting to see Jeff Gray taking reps at uh, left tackle all week. You tried your best to get an answer out of Mike O'Shea as to whether Bryant <laughs> would play. And as expected, the answer was not really an answer uh, today. But does it matter if uh, Bryant is able to go on Friday? Well, you heard Coach say that with certain players, it doesn't matter if they don't practice. Here's here's the thing that makes me believe that Stanley Bryant is going to play. Uh, if he was not going to play, if they went into the week thinking, man, that ankle is bad, I don't think Stanley can play this week. To me, they would have taken one of their American guys on the practice roster and put him at left tackle. Like Eric Lofton would have been practicing all week at, at left tackle. It, it would be my hypothesis. Instead of just bumping Jeff Gray out and getting Michael Couture some more reps. I, I feel like that's an indication that, hey, these are the guys that are going to be on the roster, and we might as well get Michael some more reps with the first team as he's coming back from that broken arm. So 
if I had to wager today, and I may be proven a fool by 11 a.m. tomorrow, but but if I had to wager, Stanley will play on on Friday just because of of how they handled it in practice. I don't think that over a practice roster guy who's played at tackle, I don't think Jeff bumping Jeff Gray, who's only ever started at guard, bumping him out to tackle is is the best option that they would have. It may well be one that they go with, but everything that we've kind of seen in practice just makes me makes me believe that Stanley will will be able to play because he's a guy who doesn't miss games with injury. Like, has he missed a game with injury in his entire Bomber career? There was Montreal last year when they were resting him, but he is an absolute horse. And w- when we talk about who needs practice over the course of a week, there are players that don't necessarily yeah. need it. And Stanley Bryant, I think, is qualified for that. Yeah, like Mike Miller has practiced, uh, I'm going to guess, twice. Once? Maybe twice, season, yeah. Right? Patrick Newfeld. Yeah, Newfeld takes, takes you know, gets a lot of veteran days. Guys like that. There are guys for whom they, they just don't think, hey, well, getting a rest outweighs what they would take away from practice when you've reached a certain level. And when you are three times most outstanding lineman in the CFL and you're having a really good season, uh, maybe not MOL season, but but you're having a really good season. Stanley could probably go in there and deal with whatever Sask has to bring uh, if he wakes up 30 minutes before the game. That's He's probably good. Interesting development on the practice roster today as the Blue Bombers signed Keon Adams, defensive lineman, who the Riders cut yesterday. What do you think of this move? Yep. I, I, I like it for a few reasons. Um, one, you get another defensive end in there. They've had Cedric Wilcott's practicing in Jackson Jeffcoat spot. We would assume Jeffcoat, I didn't see the injury report, but I assume Jeffcoat didn't practice again today. Uh, so you get a guy with, you know, 16 games of experience and he's able to, he wasn't, he was no, by no means the best defensive end that, that Sask had. He, for, for a spell was in 2021, he was their best other option at defensive end among the new guys they brought in, which include Tim Williams and Pete Robertson Robertson is going on to be, you know, not quite a star, but he had those kind of games early in the year. Uh, Adams, he's he's a bit, he's a decent body guy. He's able to play from multiple positions. They had him rush from inside. They had him rush from outside. Uh, I think to be able to go and get a guy with some CFL experience like that to bring him onto your roster, as opposed to a, an absolute fresh face, um, you know, Wilcox has now. 14 weeks or 16 weeks of experience. And uh, Dewan Cooper has been on the roster for two games, but it's taken no defensive snaps. I feel like it's a really good use of a practice roster spot. And for Keon Adams, hey, you get to go to the Great Cup favorites and, you know, you get to you get to see your old team, the team that cuts you two days after they cut you. I feel like it's pretty good, uh, pretty good deal for Keon Adams, too. Uh, just breaking news, Aaron Judge has just hit his 61st home run of the season for the New York Yankees as the uh, Yankees go ahead 5-3 of the Blue Jays after a, a, a seven-plus game delay. Roger Maris has been going all these games junior to see if <laughs> somebody uh, can fi- or if Judge can finally hit one out. And uh, in terms of the, oh, who's going to catch the ball? It, it, it went into the bullpen. So so nobody gets that oh, ball. Oh, no! So that's, that's Millions that's of fun. dollars going on. Uh, wow. I was gonna say one of the bullpen guys is probably obligated to give that ball back, right? You can't be the you can't be the guy who sells it for three million bucks if you're part of the team. No, no, that's right. Well, uh, we'll get into that in a bit, but uh, just a 
another thought on uh, the CFL now is we're nearing the home stretch. Jake Mayer signs uh, in Calgary. It's into the Jays bullpen, by the way. So uh, one of the Jays will, will maybe get a nice raise there. Uh, Jake Mayer signs an extension in Calgary. <laughs> Uh, this is not totally a surprise, big money going to Jake Mayer, but uh, were you surprised to see him get this contract in the season? Uh, I No, not really. I don't think you even want to toy with that. You probably want to lock that down. Uh, like the Riders did with Cody Fajardo in 2019. If you think you have a young guy, there, there's no point in waiting till the offseason to, to get it done. You might as well get it done now, and you could potentially do some maneuvering with the salary cap in advance of that. I honestly, I love the move for Calgary because it was it was very clear with Bo Levi Mitchell this season that they were trying to run a type of offense that that Bo didn't really want to run. That was my perception of it, and it's one that Jake Mayer is executing fantastically. This short passing offense with the occasional deep burst, but mostly contained and underneath stuff and controlling the ball. It seems like Mayer is exactly the dude that they want. So uh, I wasn't surprised to see it. Uh, I'm. I'm, I'm kind of maybe a little surprised, though maybe not really, that there's guaranteed money in 2024 in the contract now that that's allowed by the CBA. But, I mean, if you told me, if I had to pick between Jake Mayer and Taylor Cornelius, two guys that Alberta teams have signed up through 2024, uh, it, it's not even close to me which one I would pick. Mayer is, Mayer, Mayer is on the track to be a star in the Canadian Football League. So before I let you go, the obvious follow-up question to that is, Who's Bo Levi Mitchell playing for in 2023? Well, we were ta- we were discussing this. Um, the best spot, I think, is if Nathan Rourke ends up in the in the NFL next season, he goes to BC. But Montreal, Hamilton, and even Toronto and Saskatchewan all have to kind of take a look. Toronto's probably the most set of those with McLeod Bethel Thompson. But tell me, you wouldn't want to be the Argonauts selling Bo Levi Mitchell's personality in that market as you try to draw people in, but there's, there's, there are teams that if you want to move the rock down the field, uh, Bo looked healthy, if not fully together this year. Bo looked healthy. So I, there's got to be, if, if Bo Levi Mitchell wants to continue playing, he's going to have a lot of suitors, I, I would think. Absolutely. Well, Derek, appreciate your time tonight as always, and we'll see you at the game on Friday. Thanks, brother. Derek Taylor, voice of the Bombers. Note it's a 7 o'clock start. Normally weeknight games are 7.30 start times in Winnipeg. It's a 7 o'clock start pregame show at 5. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all the